0: Let's open to John chapter 2 and uh, verse 1. We read here. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. That's Mary, of course. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do, or do it. And there were set there six waterpots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing three or four, sorry, two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the waterpots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast And they bear it. Then the ruler of the feast, when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So this is, we understand, um, is perhaps the first miracle that uh, Jesus did, uh, turning the water into wine. It's a famous miracle. And uh, they had these uh, water pots of stone that they just filled with water, and it was nothing special. Uh, not nothing special about the water, but uh, it was a wonderful miracle where it was turned into wine. Now, the title of this talk is Earthen Vessels. That's why I chose that hymn um, about um, okay, fill your vessels to overflowing. And so we, we bring our earthen vessels and this aspect of um, like water... Being put into an earthen vessel, which then turned to wine. It's interesting, isn't it? So um, we can read elsewhere that uh, the Holy Spirit is the refreshing. You know, the former and the latter rain. The Holy Spirit is likened to water, and water is put into an earthen sorry, the Holy Spirit is put into an earthen vessel, i.e., us, and that turns to wine. Just think on that for a bit. We'll go to Matthew chapter twenty-six few aspects of this earthen vessel and uh, what it means in the kingdom of God. But uh, based on that uh, miracle, we have water into an earthen vessel which turns to wine. We have the Holy Spirit into the body which turns to what? (laughs) Let's have a look. We'll read a couple of scriptures. Matthew 26, and we'll start in verse 26. This is the Last Supper. Very important, and later in this meeting we know we'll have the communion service, and it's, it's uh, based on this, uh, what uh, Jesus Christ um, performed here in front of and with his disciples. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26, and it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Or a representation of my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood, or a representation of my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So the cup contained wine. Okay, doesn't say it clearly there, but we know that cup contained, well, grape juice. And he asked them to drink ye all of it. And he's saying that wine is like his blood. It's a representation of his blood. And that blood that he shed was for the remission of sins. So we can say, okay, back to this water in an earthen vessel turned to wine, which is a representation of Jesus' blood. Leviticus chapter 17, Leviticus chapter 17, just one verse, verse 11, Leviticus 17, and verse 11. It's a principle in the old law which applies to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Leviticus 17 and verse 11, "For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls or a forgiveness of your sins, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul and Jesus Christ was sacrificed, he shed his blood, that our souls may be atoned, you know and our sins may be forgiven um, uh, he he died on the the Passover, and um, but here it clearly says that the life is in the blood. Okay, so Jesus Christ uh, made an atonement. Um, he he shed his blood. He shed his life instead of our life. So he gave up his life that we don't need to give up our life. It's an instead-of thing, so that we may have life. So that's what it is. So I've got water into earthen vessels turned to wine, which represents blood, which equals life. Okay? So then we've got the Holy Spirit is within our earthen vessels, which gives us life. And uh, and that's the wonderful thing that we have in this earthen vessel, is life, and that more abundantly. And uh, and that we have our sins forgiven because Jesus Christ's blood was shed as an atonement for an atonement for us, and He gave up His life. Go to our First Kings chapter 17. Another aspect of this earthen vessel, First Kings chapter 17, and verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, being Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee, or to look after you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruse. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So this is a, a phenomenal miracle. And um, Zarephath's not in Israel. This widow woman was not an Israelite. She was actually a Canaanite, or as it says somewhere else, an Amorite. But um, anyway, she was a foreigner, uh, not uh, living in the land uh, Blessed by the Lord, and she was chosen by the Lord to send Elijah as an example about these earthen vessels. This, um, the, the barrel of meal wasted not, and the cruise of oil didn't fail. You know, uh, that uh, the Lord fed her and her son until, it, uh, until the br- drought was broken. And this is a type, of course. You know, I'm talking about earthen vessels now and how we are like the barrel. And we are like the crews, that uh, that, yes, we can uh, be fed and sustained by the Lord, by the Holy Ghost. So John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 35. John chapter 6 and verse 35. And it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There it is. It's talking spiritually. Of course, hungering after uh, and wondering uh, about righteousness and wondering about what truth is and so forth will never hunger. But it's also that other aspect that he will provide for us. He'll help us. He will not leave us destitute. You know, where he saved that Canaanite woman, saved her and her son. And, uh, and he wants to do that for us. He wants us to, uh, as it's a wonderful little story, it's bizarre that uh, this foreigner would give Elijah the last of her food. You know, and, uh, uh, but she believed him that if she did that, you know, the Lord will bless. And it's like um, we give our life to the Lord that He may bless, that He uh, will sustain us, that He is the bread of life. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have uh, that life in us, in an earthen vessel, a weak earthen vessel on the outside, but full of something wonderful on the inside where we can have the bread of life and we will never hunger and search and wonder and uh, we shall never thirst. You know, uh, when um, Jesus Christ uh, met with the lady at the well, you know, I give you uh, the living water, you know, and she says, well, I want a bit of that too. And uh, praise the Lord, we're here today, we've got a bit of that too. We've got this, uh, this living water in us. Uh, Over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus' words again says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. So give, like we don't be, need to be afraid to give, like that Canaanite woman. Um, she, I mean, she may have been afraid, but she trusted the, the Lord, she trusted Elijah, and gave what she had, all that she had, really. And, uh, and then so much was given back that uh, her and her son were sustained uh, through that drought. And, uh, and so we don't need to be afraid to give because the Lord wants to give us back, pressed down, shaken together, and not only that, running over. Um, I, uh, in a past life, used to be a soil tester. <laughs> that was my title. I used to test soil. There's more to dirt than just dirt, <laughs> believe me. But um, we used to have to do these tests where um, we would pour um, sand into a hole to measure the volume of the hole. And we had to be so careful because if you shook the sand, you'd change the density of the sand. And so, and even like, we'd pour that sand, and then I'd, shake it just in the lab just to see and there'll be a gap this high and you add a bit more, shake it again, keep adding more and more. You can do it with salt as well at home. Just shake it and, and, you, and that's what it says here, like press down, shaken together, just to get as much in there because all the particles move to get rid of all the, the gaps and you keep shaking to get more in there. And it's not only that, it doesn't stop there, it's like the Lord's still pouring so it comes over. And that's how the Lord wants to give. You know, this little earthen vessel that is us, our life, that's our whole life that we lead here on earth stays on earth. So our whole life really is an earthen vessel. It belongs here. And with this life and our body, so forth, he wants to press down, shaking together to get as much in there. And if that's not enough, that you scarcely can contain, that it just pours over and over, and before there's more um, more um, things around it than what the vessel is itself. That's what the Lord wants to do. Abundantly give us, if we give our life to him and serve him. And that's a classic term, serve. Serve. He's the king. You know, like, and it's a strong term because it, literally means a slave now we are so far removed from life and slavery and praise the lord for that we don't fully grasp it but you you serve the lord and uh, you give your life and he will respond he wants to respond in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, just pouring over where you scarce can contain. And I was thinking about that in testimony as well. It's like jaw-dropping stuff. Oh, my goodness, he did that. He poured it out uh, where, in places that you wouldn't expect. Um, and that's what he wants to do for us, that uh, he is the bread of life to provide. Uh, Judges chapter 7 Another aspect of this earthen vessel, Judges chapter 7 and verse 16. Judges chapter 7 and verse 16. This is the story of Gideon. Uh, he was a judge at this time, and called by God. He had a zeal as well. You can read further back. He goes uh, to the Lord, "Well, where are your miracles, Lord? I want to see miracles because you're a miracle-working God." And uh, and he was chosen to uh, to to fight against these Amalekites and Midianites. And uh, through a lovely little story, it was whittled down to three hundred people. And uh, and he's here to lead these 300 people in battle against the Amalekites and the Midianites that were spread before him like grasshoppers. So Judges 7 and verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers or um, like clay pots and lamps within the pitchers. So here, our mind is thinking, right. We have a, an earthen vessel with a light in it. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. In other words, follow my example. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and 300 men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with oil. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. A great victory over all these, uh, these people that were suppressing the people of Israel. But here we have a type. We've got this earthen vessel. In it was a light. And uh, they broke that light and they held the lamp up in their left hands. So there's this um, amazing effect in the natural of uh, this uh, these, these enemies of Israel were surrounded by this light and there were trumpets blowing and that, that, these 300 people were yelling the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. It was intimidating, it was scary and before that the Lord um, also uh, did something wonderful by um, showing someone a dream uh, which led to the whole mindset that they were defeated and they cried and they fled and, uh, and it was a wonderful victory for the Lord. The Lord did it. So we have this earthen vessel, which is us, and in it is a light. That's what it's saying. We have a light in us. And uh, I gave a talk a while ago about, like, personally, you are the light. You know, just think about that. Think and dwell it in yourself. It's like I'm the light. In me is a light. And uh, that, um, that vessel was broken you know, that uh, we, we know like our life here is nothing really compared to, uh, to what uh, the Lord has on offer and he wants us to shine our light. You know, be that testimony around about us that, uh, that others may ask of the hope that's within us. And uh, so we have this wonderful light glowing in us and we suppress the flesh, build up the spirit that the light may shine. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse six. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse six. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This battle that we just read about uh, led by Gideon, the power was of God and not of them. The victory was from God and not of them, and that 's the glorious thing in our life. We have power within us, but the things that He gives us and helps us with and provides us it's not of us. you know miracles that we heard in testimony that wasn't uh, human beings. Uh, it was the Lord performing a wonderful miracle and he gets the glory. The power is of God and not of us and uh, and then like beginning of six, the light to shine out of darkness, you know, strong terms as well, like darkness. Ooh, but really, we were walking in darkness. We confusion, and that's what I was thinking about with um, Cecilia's testimony as well. Just confusion. It's darkness. Like nobody likes to be confused you know it's a type of darkness but there's a light to shine out of that darkness to take away the confusion and it's shining in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god that knowledge that head knowledge understanding of the glory of god it's a light you know eyes open wow you know wow it's a, it's a wonderful thing 1 peter chapter 2 and it clearly says there this treasure That's in earthen vessels. This treasure being the Holy Spirit. That water in the earthen vessel was turned to wine, which is the blood, which is life. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. That ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. It's not just any light, it's actually a marvellous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This treasure in an earthen vessel. It's a it's a wonderful mercy that that we have obtained. But it's well written. I suppose the Bible is well written, isn't it? Um, how it says there: once upon a time we weren't a people; we didn't belong, you know. And but now there's belonging. We are a people. And I just loved hearing uh, Cecilia's testimony. which just loves being around the saints, loves being around spirit-filled people. As we were driving here, um, Charlie said from the back seat that she saw... Um, Andrew walking down the street. I was like, Don't oh, I wish I saw him. You know, you just want to see the saints when you're out and about, don't you? I was like, oh, I almost wanted to do a Yui and go around and yell out the window. Ah. You know, like, cause you just want to be around saints. You just love seeing it. And even when I see Brent driving around, I'm just like, jumping out of the car with excitement. <laughs> you just want to be around saints because we belong. There's a genuine belonging. And it's just wonderful. And that's what the Lord's called us. It says that there, um, who hath called us. And uh, and not only that, we've got this wonderful belonging, but it goes, we're even part of a royal priesthood in the eyes of the Lord. Like royal, you know, being like, like kings and queens and princes and princesses or whatever, and a priest. The priest was the one that was chosen to be like a, a kind of a mediator between God and his people, kind of. And, uh, and that's what we're like. Jesus is our mediator, you know, uh, he, and, uh, which is just fantastic. And we're holy, we're separated, we're a nation, a nation of people that have been called to show forth the praises of him and to give him the glory. John chapter 10, the penultimate scripture, John chapter 10 and verse 7 says here, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And again, I I just think of uh, the testimonies as well. Like uh, We didn't hear the others cry, like the Anglican church or even those in the spiritually compromising place. We didn't hear them. We didn't latch hold of them and stay with them. We didn't hear them. Verse 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Sustenance, you know, our our vessels will be overflowing, pressed down, shaken together. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He gives his life for the sheep that the sheep don't need to give their life. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold; them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. And uh, the the key part of that, I mean, is this him being our shepherd, our guide and uh, leading us in and out, that we may find pasture, sustenance, you know, uh, in this earthen vessel. But uh, as I've referred to er- earlier as well, like in verse 10, it says um, that we may have life and that we might have it more abundantly. You know, it's, uh, it's not just uh, life, it's, it's more abundant life, uh, where we, we get to see some remarkable things. We get to experience some remarkable things. We get to, uh, to understand remarkable things, you know, and, uh, and to be a part of something, part of a purpose. Um, and verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay my life down, down my life. You know, the Lord loves us because we figuratively lay our life down. We give our life over to him and serve him, trust him. Trust him that he's got our best interests at heart. And that word trust is a big one. A big one. People let us down. That's what happens. <laughs> we can't even help it. You know, uh, we're human beings. We accidentally let people down. But God, guaranteed, will not let us down. We can trust him to lead us in and out to find good pasture. And uh, one verse Chapter fourteen and verse fifteen. I brought started out with this one on uh, Wednesday, and I want to read it again. It's one that's been I've been dwelling on a lot lately, and uh, something worth dwelling on. John fourteen and verse fifteen to finish up on. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's so important, and I was just thinking, um, you know, again um, in. Testimony that um, in that spiritually compromising church, you know, people were filled with the Holy Spirit and, um, and they probably loved worshipping God and um, they would claim they had a love for God and that, that it'd be passionately said. You know, we've often heard that, oh, I love Jesus, I love God. And, and, it's, and it's convincing. You see them and you think, yes, they do love God and love Jesus because that's what they say, and there's passion there. But do they keep my commandments? People can say all sorts of things with passion, all sorts, but it's what you do that counts. And the way to show that you love Jesus is to keep his commandments and praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord when, um, again, we heard in testimony when someone showed in the Bible what his commandments were, Repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, and you speak in tongues. Commandments. You know, there were answers. There was a love for him. And then we walk on after that and we keep his commandments and, uh, and we show that, um, that we love him and we latch hold of him and serve him and he can lead us in and lead us out to pasture to understand this uh, glorious light that's within an earthen vessel, this glorious life and that more abundantly. So it's just so good being able to know, knowing how to walk in spirit and in truth because then we know what his commandments are and we love him by keeping his commandments. It's a a wonderful place we're in that we can actually show our love for God and and show our love for Jesus Christ himself because, as it's well read in other circles, is that he he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son. So love is like a a big part of the kingdom of God, pouring out of love, pouring out of life, giving so much to us. And we respond as best we can by keeping his commandments with a love there, uh, with a clarity in that love as well. Okay, thank you.